Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hi everyone, um, welcome back to Savage to Sage. Today I have the joy of being joined uh, by Matthew Beringer. Matthew is the managing partner of TK Software. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, thanks for having me. Why don't you start out by sharing just a brief overview, who is TK Software, how long have you been around, and just give our audience like a basic overview of who you are. Sure. So uh, TK Software, uh, in a nutshell, is a, a medical claims clearinghouse, right? And so most people aren't going to know what that means. It's a very niche kind of business. But what we do is we connect healthcare providers to the healthcare payers, right, and electronically. So we move data back and forth between healthcare providers and uh, PPOs and uh, in the payer community. Um, that data can be, you know, outbound from the the providers. That's claim claim information that we deliver electronically, and we send that to the, the payer community. Then that adjudicates those claims, sends back reports. So we're we're moving information, uh, transforming information, and displaying it and, and managing information uh, for our clients. And in in that uh, kind of description, within that description, our our clients are the healthcare providers. Right. We have clients that are healthcare providers, basically doctors' offices or groups, um, billing services, as well as as well as PPOs, as well as the uh, some of the third-party administrator type payers. So TK Software is really embedded within the healthcare revenue cycle, is what we call it, and we move data, move and manage and transform data around to to help make our clients uh, more efficient. We've been we're into our our twentieth year at this point now. Started in 2003. Um, wow. So yeah, so it's been yeah, we've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah, that's that's a good run. And um, you know, knowing what I know, just being in a parallel space about medical claims and insurance, I know what you do is very needed. So I love that. And how about your team currently? Like, what? How many people are on your team? And is it? Are you? I know you're based in Central Indiana. Are you just here? Do you have people all over the place? Like, tell us about that. Right, so we're based in in, uh, in central Indiana. Um, our clientele are uh, across the country. We have clients from from Hawaii out to New York, and um, you know, north to south, from you know, Iowa down to Oklahoma and uh, Texas. Uh, so we cover the entire you know, the entire U.S. Um, we've got a pretty small team. We're we're uh, a pretty like we approach the clearinghouse space um as kind of a concierge offering and so um you know we've and since all of our work is is moving electronic data we can do so with a uh a pretty small but highly skilled team uh, i think there's about seven of us right now most of us are are here um in in central indiana um and we've got one uh person that's out in uh, in the in nebraska so uh, but we're, we're mostly here got it yeah well, thank you for that overview. And like I, I mentioned, you know, we on the show are just looking at your your evolution as an entrepreneur. And um, like, I'd love to hear just when you think about the term savage in the early days of standing up the company when, you know, 20 years ago, you decided, I need to do something about this. Like, what was it for you that 
prompted you to take the risk and step out and and start the company? So uh, that's that's interesting. There wasn't any um, moment of you know where a thought that we could go in and a tr- create some kind of transformation or bring something completely and utterly new. It was a situation where there was an opportunity, right? Um, back in the early 2000s, when the uh, the you know, the new HIPAA regulations were basically rolled out, and part of those regulations included new re- new uh, standards for electronic information, right? So um, all of the all of the data that we tra- that we move electronically now, you know, back in the, back before we before the HIPAA regulations were rolled out, there was no standardization, right? Every uh, provider or, or clearinghouse or or billing system or or adjudication software could have a different format of data that they were moving around. Well, the the uh, uh, the HIPAA regulations standardized all of that, and um, there there were some some specific wording in the regulations that uh, allowed new um, entrees into the into the world of clearinghouse business um, that that were prohibited before. Uh, for example. Um, part of the HIPAA regulations allowed um, or or basically forced payers to accept electronic claims without charging a fee, for example. Right. So there's a couple of things we saw. We but but it was it was primarily an opportunity. Right. Uh, Might be my business partner, and he was the one who was the one who knew the the insurance industry, the one who knew software programming, and he's the one who had the vision to to, to enter this. Uh, uh, this marketplace um, and offer something new uh, because not only did the did the, the, the did these new regulations create opportunity, they also created um, uh, uh, some responsibility on behalf of the of, of the third party administrators. Like all of a sudden, they were subject to uh, having to process all of these standard regulations or standard transactions and and receive them and respond to them. We saw, okay, there's an opportunity for us to go in and serve this group. And um, and he's the one who had the vision. I was the one who who could who had some some technical uh, education, uh, some um, experience in sales and marketing, and um, you know was willing to step out away from kind of comfortable corporate America. Uh, even though I had a, small, had a young family, um, and then in my in my 30s, step out with uh, with Tony, my business partner, uh, into this kind of this unknown. So to to kind of summarize, you know, the, the HIPAA regulations presented an opportunity, and um, you know, we looked at the opportunity and said, okay, let's uh, let's take a risk. Let's see if we can make something happen here. That's awesome. What was it like for you taking that risk or stepping out into the unknown, like you mentioned? So it's um, you know from a savage from the savage standpoint, it was really um, there was a whole lot of uh, I look back now, but there was a whole lot of ignorance, right? I didn't know we didn't know what we didn't know at the time, and we didn't know how the company would evolve, which we have a great deal since the earliest days. Um, we entered a market where you know it, that was dominated by you know mega corporations, mega billion dollar corporations. And there we are competing toe to toe with, with, with these guys. Um, you know, this, you know, these two couple of guys in central Indiana, you know, uh, competing with, uh, some of the largest, uh, clearing houses that, you know, that the country's ever seen. Um, yeah. So stepping out was, um, it, it was fun, 
it was fun it, it, at, at first and and uh, though i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend to, to anybody else to step out at the same level of unknowing of things that that we that that, that we necessarily did um you know everything we we've we've everything we've learned along the way has been learned through the kind of the school of hard knocks um which is a it's a tough school right yeah so are you willing to share an example of like one of those hard knocks like early on when y- you stepped out and you didn't know what you didn't know yeah it, well it was just an example of uh, like a good example would be uh, without getting too technical because it's really easy to slip into jargon in this our initial client base were, like I said, the third-party administrators, right? They're the they're the the the, the payers that um, administer self-funded you know plans for self-funded employers, and those were our initial clients. And when we first started, you know, the I think the HIPAA regulations were actually went live on something like October sixteenth, you know, two thousand three. And so we have our clients lined up. We tell them. You know, we've we've got you set up. We've got all the software so we can receive these new electronic claims that are going to be coming in, and we can respond and do all the rest. And you know, in, in, the day you know October sixteenth, two thousand three came along, and there were no electronic claims coming in from anybody. Right? It was like crickets. And what what happened was the you know the providers who are now responsible for filing claims electronically, they were worried about other aspects of the HIPAA regulations. Right? They were worried about um, privacy and security, for example, which were really important. You know, back in the day, you know, uh, you go to see the doctor and you are in the room and he might step out into the hallway and, and shout down the hallway to the nurse for your lab results or whatever the case may be. Well, so, you know, things are very much locked down right now. So that's what the provider groups were, we found were really more concerned with. And so what we had to do was pivot and say, okay, how do we bring value now to these clients Right, we're set up to we're set up to help them manage these new electronic transactions that are going to be coming and going, but they're not happening. So we had to then pivot our business and reach out. Then we reached out to the uh, to the provider community. We said, "Look, you know, uh, the HIPAA regulations say now you can file electronic claims and you can file them with every payer, and they can't charge you." And da 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 da. And and so we began um, taking any kind of file that they could create, whether it was a, a true. Um, HIPAA standard EDI file, or if it was a, a print image that came out of a, a, a Microsoft, you know, Word program, and then we would convert that, and we did. So we really had to um, make some changes to what we were what we're doing to bring value to our our uh, our payer clients. So yeah, we didn't know that the business that we were getting into was going to ramp up so slowly. Right, we were ready to go on the date, and then it ramped up very slowly. And we didn't want to lose the clients we had, and so we pivoted and we created a whole other business. Right, and that's when we reached out and started serving the provider clientele, our provider clientele. And so we started growing that, and so it turned out to be a whole other um, uh, uh, market for us. So we were working with payers at first, and now we're working with providers. So anyway, yeah. So it turned out to be a good thing, right? We turned it into a good thing. We didn't have any choice, right? We're like, okay, this isn't working the way we thought. What do we do now? And so we pivoted. Thanks for that overview. Um, I've, I've heard in a lot of stories of entrepreneurs, they're, they hit this breaking point, especially in the savage days when you've had a number of like experiences like you just described where you learned something from the school of hard knocks. You had to pivot. 
likely, you know, you put in extra hours when you did. So it was, a, it was taxing, you know, and I've experienced this myself, just this loss of passion, maybe borderline burnout um, from like, Oh, this is just exhausting. D- did you ever hit that point in your story? So I, I don't think we've ever, um, we, we haven't hit it yet. Right. We've, there've been, there've been times when what, like this, where we like, okay, what are we going to do now? We need to pivot and, and, and do something. But um, we learned, we learned a little bit from that and we try to be a little bit more proactive, right. And, and look for, look for these, these uh, difficult opportunities, you know, and be ready for them before they, uh, before they hurt us. So, so I think, I, I don't think we've hit that, you know, uh, hit that wall. The, the business just moves too fast. There's there's too many changes that come along, you know, right when you get into something that you think, okay, now we can just cruise for a little while, then something else comes along and okay, now we have to change. And in, in the type of business we're in, um, the product is really never, never finished. It's never complete, right? There's always something that can be added to it, or there's something that can be enhanced. And so, I, you know, we've we've always had that mindset. It's like to constant improvement. Let's like let's enhance our product a little more. Plus, our competition is doing the same thing, right? So, we have to kind of outthink our competition, uh, move a little faster than them, uh, but really pick and choose the you know the right things to develop and the things the things to develop and the things to ignore because you know development takes time. And if it's not going to bring in additional revenue, then we try to avoid it. But um, yeah, there there hasn't been. Uh, there hasn't been that wall. We've always been able to, when a challenge comes up that is um, seems daunting and difficult, um, we've always been able to rise to it and 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 push through it. And a lot of that, most of that, comes from like the vision and the capabilities of my of my business partner, you know, Tony. He's the he's the uh, you know the, the 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 major partner, and 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 he's also the one who is the that does the architecture design and implementation of right of our software and how, how it works. And that's a big part of, of our success. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about your partnership. Cause one of the phrases we like to, to talk about here is like, it's, there's a, it's almost like a marriage, you know, of in some ways when you talk about business partners, because in some ways probably spend more time in most weeks with, with that person working together with that person, you know, during waking hours than, than you do with, with your spouse or partner on the personal side. So what's been key for you in that partner relationship between you and Tony to, to make sure, you know, you're, you're staying fresh in that relationship and on the same page. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, the partnership has, has been, has been, has been great. And over time, it's like you see, like you say, it is kind of like a marriage and, and it's almost like the, our clients are our kids, you know what I mean? And so, uh, and I find myself, you know, as a, as I'm in charge mostly of, you know, of, of sales, new development, kind of the higher level, uh, client support and all that. And so I'm a, I have to do, I play, you know, a role as a client advocate, right? To hear, you know, take feedback from them. Like, what is what is it that you need? What is it that you like? What is it that you don't like? And then I take that in and talk to Tony, and then we um, say, okay, this is what we we're, what we're going to do. We can we can do this. We can't do that. Or you know, uh, to to make the system um, to enhance the system for our 
a clientele. And so there's, there's this, um, you know, I, 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 with Tony, my, my relationship with, with the, with the clients is, is one of partner and owner and client support. And then with, with Tony, I have to go back and I've got to represent the clients and say, okay, this is what they need. And then I've got to sell him, right? Sometimes I got to sell him on what needs to be done. And sometimes I got to sell the, you know, I've always, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, you know, so it's a very, it's very interesting because that, so that's the kind of defined, you know, over time, the relationship, but it's, it's been, it's been a, it's been a learning curve too, because when, when I came into it uh, 20 years ago, um, you know, I didn't know anything about clearinghouse. I didn't know anything about the insurance industry, anything. He was the one with the, uh, with the, um, all the expertise. And so, you know, he, he kind of instructed me, taught me how this all works. And then, you know, we grew it together. And then, so there's, there's some give and take and push and pull with us. Um, but we're always on the same page when it comes to, you know, what we want to do. We're, we're always, um, trying to outperform our competition. We're always trying to bring, you know, additional value to our clients. Um, but we're always trying to, uh, you know, uh, do to, to advance, you know, what we do in the industry. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, uh, uh, an interesting relationship. Sometimes we're smiling and getting along great. And there are times where we butt heads, you know, pretty seriously, but, um, but it's all good in the end. That speaks to me just of like the work that you've both done personally, you know, in terms of yeah, this, this relationship is super important for our company to be successful. And I think in my opinion, it requires like a, a lowering of, of ego, you know, to, for that to happen and, and to really be humble and teachable. And, and so I, I commend you for that because I think, you know, there's, you just hear a lot of stories of people and partnerships like that at some point the partnerships goes partnership goes sour. And so I know, you know, personally and from many stories of people like you, like how much work that takes. So I commend you for that. And as you, as you and Tony have brought people into your partnership onto your team over the period of time since you've been in business, what, what's been key for you to know, and these people really get it and they're going to be a great team member and both from a cultural perspective as well as from a, a business perspective. Yeah, that's a great question. What we found over time is it's really a matter of character from our standpoint, right? We found that, you know, uh, we can teach the person, you know, the person who has got the right character and will fit into the culture, uh, we can teach them what they need to know, right? And they'll be a great team member. It really, we're not looking for, we don't look for uh, necessarily a particular expertise. You know, I mean, we, we look for some baseline expertise, but the character is definitely it. Um, and that's really defined. That's been a defining part of our own, you know, Tony and I's relationship too, um, is that, uh, you know, I don't ever see the, the, the partnership going south. I mean, the, one of the reasons is that we have such a strong um, kind of similar, you know, we share this from a faith perspective, we have a, a, you know, we share the same faith and we're very strong in our, each of us very strong in our faith. And so, and so with the same with our other employees. And so that creates this underlying kind of um, strength. That's not going to allow the, you know, the partnership to ever go South, like you said before, but um, 
uh, yeah, I think when we're bringing on people, you know, it's we need people who are motivated self-starters who have the right character, and then we can teach them what they need to know. That's definitely the key. What has worked for you in determining that character, you know, in your interview process and the vetting process? Because I, I know that can be a hard thing to really vet out, um, especially, you know, in the limited amount of interactions we can have with with a candidate before they come onto a team. Yeah, that's um, that's a real tough one to to, to figure out. Um, a lot of it is just kind of gut feeling. Um, some of it is just understanding, you know, through the interview process, talking, you know, just having conversation and, and getting to know them a little bit, and, and then try to figure out how they, uh, you know, what, what their values are and how they would work it through certain situations, you know, situations that are difficult, situations of stress and conflict. It's like that's that's the that's the that's really the hardest thing is to figure out, you know, to you know, in a short interview process, the you know, who you're talking to and what kind of character they have. And then, you know, you just can, you know, have the conversations, get to know them the best you can and make the best decision you can make. Um, and I don't know how, I don't know how else to say it. It's, you know, there's, uh, but that's the secret sauce, you know? Yeah, that's, that's great. And I, I feel like that this topic has come up a number of times with folks like you of just when I asked that question and, you know, it's been interesting to hear some of the strategies that other entrepreneurs take to to really vet out, you know, is someone a fit culturally? But I, I would say it, it really boils down to what everyone has said across the board is very similar to you. It boils down to that humble, teachable character uh, piece, like where I, you know, you hear the phrase like you can train, you know, technical expertise you can train a lot in terms of what needs to be done for the business, but you can't necessarily train character. And, um, and so I think that that's been something I've heard across the board and it, you know, it's, it'd be interesting to see like almost to put up on a comparison board of like how people get to that point. Cause I think it's, it's such a hard thing, especially when for small business owners and startups, you know, that are trying to vet out quickly because like like you, there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of moving pieces. Like, how can we vet quickly? You know, those the people that we need on our team to grow this and to serve our clients well. Uh, because, as you know, I mean that that can be an expensive and painful mistake if if you don't choose choose wisely. And so, I was just curious. I mean, obviously, some of this is confidential HR um, information, but was was there ever a time like a difficult time, you know, that was a big teacher for you in terms of, you know, a team member, team members that didn't work out and kind of like what, what you learned from that and how that shaped how you go about that process. Yeah, there's, you know, we, we've been fortunate. We haven't had too many that um, haven't worked out, but, you know, you, you mentioned the word humility. And I think uh, that's, that's such an important aspect of of uh, anybody's anybody's character anybody that we interview and and so you want somebody who's you know confident and 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 capable but humility is is so important is and um it's if when i think back to the uh to the uh individuals that we've worked with that um didn't work out really a lack of humility 
would uh, would be a major major characteristic that um, that I think was a was a giveaway. But there, it, there was no real like individual moment or teachable moment that I can think of that uh, where we you know hired somebody that was totally wrong for the job and we, you know, uh, uh, didn't see it or were blindsided. I think that can happen. That can happen to anybody, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you say as you look over, you know, the 20 years that you've been, you've been doing this, like what has been like the best or the most rewarding thing to come out of the entrepreneurial journey for you? Let me think about that. That's a, that's a difficult one because it's been a long time and there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of things, you know, that have, that have happened, but just to, to kind of see the, um, you know, the, the, the solid growth of the company, the, um, the, the service we provide that allows, because our service allows, you know, our clients to be successful. Right. And so to see our clients succeed, um, and, and to see, um, you know, because from our standpoint, you know, we provide a service, but we get very close with the individuals that we work with. And to see that uh, what we do is uh, a, a benefit to them and that they appreciate what we do and they're happy and they like what we do. And, you know, when things, if something goes wrong and we can step up and, and, and correct it or you know, fix something for them very quickly. I think that's probably the, uh, the thing that I've, uh, uh, it's been the most important thing to me over the last, you know, 20 years is the personal relationships, you know, with the clients. I didn't expect that to happen. I thought, okay, we're going to get in here. We're going to create a service. We're going to move electronic data back and forth. And then um, we end up, you know, you know, meeting some great people um, and making some, some great relationships with our clientele. So, uh, you know, and, and that makes the job, that makes the job worth doing, right? Um, because we know that, um, we're making somebody else's job easier or life better or whatever the case may be. And that was, um, that was, uh, a little unexpected. I love that. Yeah. Those, those unexpected gifts of how you and all the work that you've put into this have impacted somebody or a group of people or an industry. I mean, that's, that's huge. So I like to ask as we close out the time, um, like two final questions. Um, and one is, how do you maintain kind of that entrepreneurial, sometimes savage pace, like we talked about earlier, but then also like, how do you recharge? So if you were to, to do something for an hour every day, or, you know, what's your go-to thing on the weekend, you know, to recharge your battery, um, what would that be? So, you know, for me, recharging is, uh, is definitely spending time, you know, with my family. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's the big deal. My children, you know, I've got, uh, uh, older children now, you know, married, having kids and, um, spending time with them is, uh, is definitely what, what recharges me. I mean, no, no doubt about it. It's what can take my mind off of, you know, the craziness and the stress and the anxiety or whatever takes place during the work week, whatever problem we're trying to work through or, you know, to, to be able to, to then just uh, relax and kick back and have, you know, you know, so I've got some older sons that, you know, we'll kick back and, you know, drink whiskey together and, the, and, and, and smoke cigars. I mean, so that's, uh, that's a great way. You know, that's one of my favorite ways to unwind. Uh, that's one of the, that's the, that's my favorite sedentary way to unwind, but we're also very active. So we'll go out and do, 
you know, uh, some long hiking or some traveling, you know, things like that. We like to do that as well. So, but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely time with the family. Love that. Yeah. How many kids do you have? So I've got five, um, five kids, uh, two grandkids and one on the way. So, uh, my oldest is, uh, is 31. Uh, my youngest is, uh, 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 19. He's at Great Lakes Naval Base right now in Chicago, um, and uh, as a sailor recruit, and uh, we'll be going into dive school uh, in February. And so, yeah, three, three sons, two daughters, a son-in-law, daughter-in-law, two grandkids, and one on the way. So life is good. Yeah, you got you got a nice tribe there. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when you, um, a lot of the listeners of this of our show, we found are are people that are like newer entrepreneurs, uh, they're just getting into it, or they are people that are considering, you know, jumping out into a, a new venture. Um, what would, over your 20 years, like what sage advice would you give to that person who's who's new to the game or is considering it? So um, what, there's one thing that comes to mind right away. And it's actually a piece of, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, Tony, my business partner, shared with me, right, when, you know, early on when we started. And that's that there's, there's a million good ideas out there, right? But, but what you're looking for is the idea where, where that, can, that can create revenue, right? That you can, if you can bring value, if you can bring value to somebody else to the point where they're willing to pay you to bring that value, that's the, that's the idea, Right, and it sounds a little cold, you know. It's not altruistic. It's not. I'm going to save the planet, but you know, um, uh, it, it's just the truth. You've got to when, when you're starting, you've got to find the idea that is so good and it's going to bring so much value to somebody that they're willing to give you some of their money. And so, again, it's very basic. It may be not very sage-like, but it. Uh, uh, I think it's a basic truth that. Uh, um, that is good for for all and all entrepreneurs to know. And you know, we've come to you know, I've I've seen it over and over again in our business, right? We've um, as we've grown and enhanced our system, you know, we've come up with some great ideas. We say, hey, we're going to enhance our system this way. Our clients are going to love it, and they're like, yeah, that's great. We'll we'll take it. Okay, well, it's going to be X amount of dollars a month. They're like, oh no, we don't need it that bad, right? And so it's like, okay, there's a great idea that we could have spent or did spend in certain you know aspects. Um, or instances, uh, a lot of time and money developing and getting ready. Um, so we've been a little more careful in doing, you know, the the research, right? Doing the market research and say, okay, is this something? You know, we think this is a good idea. Is this something that would benefit you? Yeah, okay. Well, then, you know, what are you willing to pay for that? You know, for us to develop and put out there. So it's just some of that. That's some of the more practical um things because i think there's nothing more frustrated than having a good idea putting it out there and hoping everybody jumps on board but then not being able to you know create the revenue stream to support it yeah absolutely well that is that's great a very practical sage advice um and <laughs> i appreciate you sharing that um because yeah i mean it's i think so many times like we entrepreneurs think of an idea or like a problem that needs to be solved. And, you know, we don't have market validation yet. And, and then you spend a bunch of time, a bunch of money, and obviously all the emotional energy that goes into it, building a product or designing a service. And, and then it's like, okay, who wants to buy it now? <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of 
heartache and money could be saved, you know, just by some of those like practical, um, practical research, market validation for sure. Um, mm. So if someone wants to get in touch with you uh, and learn more about you and your company, where would you point them? Yeah. So our website would probably be the best. That's just uh, tksoftwareinc.com. Okay. So all the information's out there and, uh, and ways awesome. to get in touch with us as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today and um, for sharing your story. And um, yeah, I think it's going to resonate with so many people that are on the entrepreneurial journey themselves. So thanks again. Hey, you bet. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.